Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. 2020 Part 2 is over. Finally. Here's hoping it's not a trilogy. Because as everyone knows, the second movie is always the best in a trilogy. Except for Highlander. Yeah, but Highlander wasn't a trilogy. That's true. Yeah, it's only in trilogies. Okay. It's been a long year for a lot of us with both some ups and some downs. And uh, we're excited to see what happens in the next year. This is the last episode of 2021. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about the predictions that we made for 2021, whether or not we got them right. And then we'll each give our predictions for 2022. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Uh, TypeScript, man. Um, oh, been there. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if it's like really dumb TypeScript, really bad TypeScript compiler settings, or really dumb JavaScript at the end of that pipeline. But I ended up in a situation the other day where this was undefined. <laughs> and it was in a like it was in a chain of calls where like array indexers for different things and the other ones before that this was not undefined and i cannot for the life of me figure out how i did this which is undefined yeah so it's a little bit of a pain right now you know cuz i think it's it's you're trying to paper over some of the things that javascript does and unfortunately sometimes you get burned so that's the main thing. Uh, Thanksgiving was pretty good, pretty quiet. So that's nice. I would say the most energetic part of it was watching my nephew play uh, was it Smash Brothers or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is which is fine, except he's young enough that when he's playing the game and the character's jumping, he's jumping. Oh, I bet that was entertaining. For an hour and a half. <laughs> Got out of there and I was like, man, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. That was, was pretty good. So how about you? Oh, let's see. Have you heard about the new Hawkeye show? Marvel, Disney, whatever. It. Yeah. Well, it just, it just came out recently, I think. Um, so I'm going to uh, check it out tonight after we record. When I eat dinner, I'm going to watch that. I'll let you know next week how it goes. So I had, uh, had a bit of a busy holiday this year. You know, as you were talking about here in the United States, we... Uh, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. Both my sisters came down, and one of them is very pregnant. So we did our Christmas too, because she's not going to be able to travel at Christmas time. I got a few books, some earpods. I've been using those; those are nice. Uh, a step ladder for photography and painting and stuff like that. And then uh, this awesome stool that you can't see because my chair is blocking, but uh, it's really cool for playing guitar. I'm quite happy with it. Uh, what's neat is like I I kind of picked the stool out and my mom got it for me. I told her what I wanted, so she ordered it, and we thought like it's got this um, sort of dark brown seat and turquoise legs, and we thought it was just solid colors. 
but the legs are kind of like this distressed look. So it actually looks even cooler than huh. what it did online. Like, how often do you order something online and what arrives is actually better than what you saw online? So it's the opposite of wish. Yes. Yes. Anti wish. The anti wish. Exactly. But uh, yeah, really, really cool. Because like normally you order something, it's like, you know, I, I think if you ordered like fruit juice from there, you'd get like LaCroix, which is like homeopathic fruit juice. I have some LaCroix in the fridge right now. I had some earlier today. It's still disappointing every time, though. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was a lot of fun. We we did uh, did quite a bit. If uh, you follow me on social media, you saw all the adventures that we went on while they were here. Now my uh, my nephew got Smash Brothers for Christmas, uh, and uh, so we played quite a bit of that. On uh, on his switch, and then uh, he also got a drone, well, mini drone. So we played with that. Now I want one. You know how it is. <laughs> Let's see. Went up to uh, to Opry Mills, uh, our Opryland. Oh, Opryland. Yes, yes. Actually, we we didn't go into to the mall. We went to Opryland Hotel, dude. Like when we were growing up, it was you go in and they had the lights. You get like hot chocolate and you might like, if you're lucky, get to ride around the riverboat, like around the Delta. But now it's this huge ordeal. Like they got ice skating, bumper cars, like all this stuff outside. And then the only thing is because of COVID last year, they made it so that on the weekends after two, you have to have a ticket like to one of the events to get in. Like if it's before two or if it's during the week, they, it's fine. But just to kind of cap crowd control, they did that. And so uh, we get there and it was like, I don't know, maybe 2.30 on Sunday. I'm like, oh man. So we bought tickets to do the Elf event. So like based on the movie Elf, it's this sort of like walk through. You play games and stuff. The kids loved it. Drink syrup. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dude, they had this. They're trying to like make it smell like a candy shop. And oh, it stank, dude. Like it, it was like this fake sweet smell that was horrible. I was like, can we get out of this room as fast as Poor possible? Poor Anna freeze around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But other than that, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we we also made, uh, I took the, the girls to build a bear and everybody got their own bear. I don't, yeah, you can't see mine. That's, up on my shelf up there. I got one with a guitar. Apparently, it's from Animal Crossing's KK, I think is the character's name. I didn't know this because I've not played Animal Crossing, but uh, it had a guitar, and I was like, I want the one with the guitar. So, you know, that's uh, that's me. But yeah, we, we had a lot of fun. Yesterday, I uh, met with my advisor. I have decided to take next semester off of school just take the spring semester off to basically rest a little bit. I have been going and going and going and need a break. And like more than a month of like, you know, December break. I need a legit, I'm not stressing about this. I'm not worried about this break. Uh, so I'm like cutting back on a lot of things in the spring, just sort of give myself a little bit of a rest. And we actually, while we were talking, because I knew I'd have to double up, in order to graduate in time. Well, 
if I double up for two semesters and then do thesis hours the next two, I can actually graduate a year earlier than I thought with taking this spring off. So looking into that, uh, that's probably the plan we're going to do. We we talked about it. I do need to email him about that too. So it will cost a little bit more um, out of pocket because I'll have to pay for the extra class that my work's not paying for. But frankly, I'm kind of tired of being in school and I want like some time not in school, but I don't want to drop out. So I'm like, right. all right, I'm going to take a break, come back, knock it out, and then, you know, relax for a year or two before going off for my PhD. Right. <laughs> I'm sure you'll relax. Yeah. <laughs> By relax, I mean, you know, take on like five other things. Right. That's what I mean. That's relaxing to me. <laughs> it is Giving Tuesday. So, you know, we have Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and now there's Giving Tuesday. So if you guys feel so inclined, um, I mean, obviously this is coming out about a month after Giving Tuesday. It's like the week after Christmas. But, uh, right, but it's a good time to give tax-deductible donations right before the year end. Yes. So uh, there will be a link in the show notes. If you've noticed the last few weeks, there have been links in the show notes to donate to my mission fund, the same thing we did last time, last year when I went. So feel free to uh, to donate to my, my mission fund or hop on over to Patreon and support the podcast. Help us make this possible. Uh, for $5 a month, you can listen to us uh, for two hours a week as uh, we'll have uh, the aftercast. And if you really want to join us, which is a lot of fun, we have a couple of guys who do, 20 bucks a month gets you on the aftercast with us. It's a lot of fun. Saving money is hard, especially when the end of the year sneaks up on you. Lucas Casadas is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us here at CDP, he focuses on helping you to not only establish a real plan, but also to take action on that plan so that you can live and create your best life. Guys, investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. And with the help of Level Up Financial Planning, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. The best part of this is that Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. And what that means is that he's not here to sell you anything. Instead, his job uh, is to guide you to a better financial situation. And you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics you probably face and interviews other uh, technology people who share how they navigated their careers. He also has a lot more stuff at levelupfinancialplanning.com. So check it out. So I'm going to speak this over us right here and right now over not just the two of us, but everyone listening on uh, to the podcast. 2022 is going to be a good year. They're saying that now. We're all going to believe it. We're all going to speak it. And it's going to be a good year. This is one of the most fun episodes we record each year. It's also one of the easiest to put together. Mm -hmm. Both of us really look forward to looking over our predictions uh, from the previous year and creating new ones. 
it's really important to stay up to date with the changes in technology, especially in your particular field. And it's also really useful to think about what the future might hold because it helps prepare you for it. So in this episode, we get to have a little fun with that and make educated guesses as to where we'll be in another year or what's going to happen in the technology world. We will start by reviewing our predictions for this past year. Each of us, now we were accurate in some areas, not as accurate in others. Then we will get to our predictions for 2022. So I'll start us off here. My first prediction for 2021 was that we're going to see a lot more people working remote from distant locations. 2020 taught uh, the doubters that remote work is a valid option in a lot of industries. You know, I was already remote prior to 2020, but we learned that we didn't have to go into the office and that we'd only be coming in when needed. I have friends in other industries that had seen their offices shut down and employees told they can work from anywhere because they're able to get the job done and don't need to pay for the office space. Hawaii, seeing a downturn in tourism, was actually offering to help people fly there to work remotely. That's very interesting. So, results. (laughs) Yeah, I know. This was a bit of a mixed result. While travel has increased since 2020, new variants and continued restrictions have prevented a lot of people from distant remote work. That said, companies have lifted a lot of hiring freezes that were going on and are looking beyond the local application pool for workers in more distant locations. Working vacations may not be the norm, but they have become more acceptable. Uh, I spent a week in Florida, for example, working from my sister's house. Took one day off to go down to Universal because, you know, you can't be in Florida and not hit up at least one theme park. (laughs) All right. So my first prediction was, you know, you should look for medically inclined tampering with your life in ways both harmful and not to increase in the next year. It's not just COVID, but a variety of things that people would have been kind of leery of uh, will come to pass in the next year, including things like temperature scanning when you enter places with crowds, uh, more stringent enforcement of various mandates, including vaccine mandates. Um, And I noted that the political heat over where the line is will continue to ratchet up as well in response to this. However, it also means that there is a much bigger market for things that will be positive in the long run. Uh, you know, once we get everything wrong, we eventually get things right. And I would say that this was pretty much a direct hit over the last year. Uh, there's been quite a bit of conversation around various aspects of all of this. You know, how do we detect that people are sick? How do we make sure they don't get sick? How do we how do we protect people's sensitive medical data while protecting the people around them? Like we're we're having a lot of conversations that while it's it's very, uh, well, there's a great deal of friction right now. I think over the long term, as we hash these things out, it may actually work out to our benefit. So, that, yeah, this was a direct hit, frankly, uh, pretty darn predictable at the beginning of the year. Yeah, though I have seen a downturn in places requiring the temperature checks. Yeah. Even the more stricter places are no longer doing it. Yeah. In my experience, like there's a one. Thai restaurant. You know the Thai restaurant, the one your mom likes here in town. Yeah. They were like really, really strict about it for the longest time. But I went there a couple weeks ago and no, they weren't. 
Yeah, I've I've noticed that more with ethnic restaurants than I have with like I don't know, oh Charlie's or something. Of course, I don't really go into Charlie's much, and I do hit the ethnic restaurants a lot. Fair, yeah. So I don't know if it's you know it may just be like, hey, this is a more pricey place to go, or it's different cultural norms, or it's I don't know. So it's definitely it's definitely a thing, and it has waned quite a bit. I wonder what's going to happen as the winter, you know, flu and cold season starts kind of coming south. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So. My second prediction from last year was there will be a rapid increase in paranoia and anti-science rhetoric as more is understood about COVID-19 virus and early assumptions are shown to be false. Uh, As vaccines enter the human trials, we've already seen a rise in the anti-vax movement. Virology, epidemiology, and medicine are highly specialized fields, but you'll see people and even some news media take things out of context or not understand the science or process behind something and then try to make a judgment on it. Hawkeye could not have been more accurate. Yeah. And I don't mean the doctor from MASH. I, I mean, you know, the, <laughs> the Avenger who I'm going to be watching later. Yeah. Look anywhere on social media these days and you'll find an armchair scientist who spouts opinion that isn't even based close to facts. Not saying there aren't people who haven't actually done some some study and stuff, but guys, take everything you read with a grain of salt. Trust but verify. Uh, and remember that science isn't a set of known facts. That's that's something that a lot of people get wrong is they think, oh, well, this, you know, science doesn't say that. I was like, science isn't a set of facts. History books are sets of facts. You well, know, I, I would even argue they're not about half the time. Uh, well, that's, I minored in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> the thing with science is what it is, is a systemized process for discovery and learning. So science is designed to be wrong. Like when you do a scientific study, you, you, start off with what they call a null hypothesis, which is the opposite of what you're trying to prove. And your aim is to disprove that null hypothesis. So yeah. you start off trying to disprove something like what you think is wrong. It's, it's, it's all sorts of crazy because like the, the reason they do that is you can't prove, but you can show evidence that disproves something right. with it. And so it's like... It, it is a process of learning and discovery. It is not a set of facts. I'm not telling you guys what to believe or not believe. Just that you should verify it through multiple trusted resources. Don't get everything from one place all the time. You know, and if it either sounds too good to be true or sounds fishy, yeah. either either side, like, look into it. Like, I'd, I'd also add sometimes... It's it's very easy to say there was a scientific result that said X, and it's like yes, this is true, you know, from a scientific point of view. But when you implement something based on this, can you make it work? Um, I think the implementation side of things is also a thing people miss. No, because I've had so many conversations with people that don't understand like how things get manufactured or how food gets to their table or or anything, and they make assertions that's like, hey, that's not going to work at scale. Uh, it's the same thing you see in software development. It's like, oh, C++ is faster, right? And it is in a lot of cases, but 
if you have to do it at scale with hundreds of developers, or you have to, let's say you have to do Delphi at scale with hundreds of developers, it's not going to be faster in a lot of contexts because you don't have those developers. And so there's, there's, there's like science and there's engineering concerns as well that a lot of people really kind of skip over in a lot of those discussions I've noticed. So speaking of engineering concerns, uh, my second prediction was that regulatory pressure is going to be brought to bear more forcefully on big tech companies, uh, particularly on social media companies. I said there are a few there are a few electoral parties on the planet that like them or find them beneficial. And they've made enemies basically everywhere while alienating their own users, showing decreased value to advertisers and becoming easier game for large players in the market. So this could be a very interesting time for upstarts in those markets. Now, the results on this uh, was pretty much a miss. Uh, You have seen um, some countries kind of start pushing back on them a little bit, uh, including the U.S. Uh, It has not happened at the scale I had hoped. Because I was hoping they'd get the daylights beat out of them to be 100% honest. Yeah, I remember you were like very adamant about that. And I still do. Um, But I also think given everything that's going on and how toxic stuff has been, you're seeing a lot of people just kind of step back from it. And I think the invisible hand is going to make a fist if the government doesn't. And, you know, I think this is, we'll get to a better place. It's just we're not there right now and our leaders really don't seem very inclined to fix something that is causing a lot of social problems. Yeah. And, you know, on that, this might not be from a regulatory standpoint, but I have noticed a lot of, like, on the the cusp of millennial Gen Z, you know, like, mid-20s, a lot of them I know are not, don't have, like, social media. Yeah. Or they have, like, they're very selective about it. Yeah, and they're selective about who they interact with. Yeah, on there too, and you know, people are, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, people are creating echo chambers. It's like, look, most people are most comfortable most of the time in echo chambers. Like, that's not a necessarily a bad phenomenon. It's like people don't want to be argued with and confronted constantly. Well, I mean, the reason people are creating echo chambers is because you're not like because they get attacked if they don't, and that's the yeah. thing. If if it were done from a, hey, let's have a legitimate conversation. And this is the thing. This is one of the things I, I have against social media is it creates this place where you can just go in and attack people. Yeah, with no consequences. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So it's it. I know people that 15 years ago, we could go sit at a coffee shop and we have very, very different views. Sit at a coffee shop, talk about that, have a great time like hanging out with each other and disagreeing, but not yeah. be mad at each other at all. And enjoy the disagreement. Yeah. and Right, because this is somebody different than you. Yeah, and you could learn from them. But now you can't even hold a conversation with them because it's a constant attack. Well, and if even if you can hold a conversation with them, 15 of their friends jump in. And, and it's that way on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. Yeah, I you know, very specifically didn't say what uh, what our differences in views were but yeah it it is very much like that and i honestly i think it's that anonymity of social media has caused people to lose the ability yeah to have civil conversations or civil disagreements well and you have that and then you have like if somebody isn't anonymous they get 
they can just get absolutely obliterated. And, it, you know, and it, it's not contained to, okay, all these people here think you're jerks. It's like, we're going to destroy your life. Yeah. And, and which is forcing more people to be anonymous. And now they're angry when they get anonymous. It's like, dude, you know, like you couldn't think of a worse dynamic to start spinning up. All right. So my third prediction from last year was no more whiteboard interviews with remote work on the boom and the industry moving forward while still distancing, we saw that tech interviews don't need to include whiteboards. There will be new tools developed to better assess a candidate's abilities and thought processes when coding. A lot of the training and pair programming tools have been repurposed for interviews during the pandemic. We'll see more of these tools developed and marketed for remote interviewing. I say this was mostly a hit. There are likely some larger corporations or places with old school people who have trouble letting go of what they know. Late adopters, I guess is what they're called. Uh, but from my experience interviewing this year, I did uh, transfer departments and get promoted. Uh, and discussing it with uh, others, friends and, and people I mentor who have gone through interview processes or who have interviewed people for a variety of level of positions they have not seen very many whiteboard interviews. Most of the coding aspect of those interviews has been pair programming. Um, a few of them had take-home challenges to do uh, and uh, then like submit back. But most of it was pair programming because the big thing was seeing your thought process. And before anybody asks, you know, I wrote a book on whiteboard interviews. A large part of my intent with that book was to democratize the easy passing of whiteboard interviews to essentially throw a bomb into this process. So I'm glad, you know, I'm glad to see this go because it, mm -hmm. it needed to go quite a bit before it did. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. My number three prediction, people are going to be less neutral about remote work. <laughs> Either they've done it and they hate it or they've done it and they like it a lot. And you can expect multiple major shifts in IT hiring as a result. They're going to be keeping their eyes open for things that caused a problem during the lockdown. Um, they, in this case, can refer to both the interviewer and the interviewee as both have learned a lot this year. And this one was absolutely correct. A lot of people really, really liked remote work. And then they figured out after two or three months of sitting at their kitchen table in an uncomfortable chair, squinting at a laptop screen with a glare coming in from the window, that, hey, maybe this is not their jam. Um, there's also people that did it and they really loved it and it changed their, their life for the better. I will say that remote work is here to stay, at least for a lot of companies. Uh, everybody has learned that it's possible. And the ones that want you in the office are also going to be less likely to negotiate, right? So the remote companies will be like, yeah, great, work remote. The ones that want you in the office are now probably not even going to let you work remote at all. Mm -hmm. there's, there's battle lines that have been drawn. A lot of companies, as well as their employees, learned the hard way that not everybody has a living situation that is conducive to working from home for an extended time period. That's true. Yep. And I imagine housing design is going to catch up with that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As I'm in the process of buying this house, I'm looking at it going, you know, I have this living room furniture and I never have people over because I live so far out. I'm like, why do I have like all this space wasted? You know, I want a small office for recording and just for my work, but like I could move a lot of stuff. Like I could set up more of an art studio in my living room. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I don't 
feel the need to have a traditional house is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and I think a lot of people hit that point where they're like, hey, nobody comes over here. Yeah. No, I'd love to have people over. It's just I, just, I live so far out. Like, if I lived closer to town, then yeah. But, you know, I just don't have people over ever. And if we do, it's usually to the, hang out in the yard and grill or something. That's what I was going to say. Where you live, you hang out in the yard. <laughs> yeah. All right. So my final prediction from last year was that we're going to see a shift in the music culture. Not only will we see a lot of new and creative music coming from artists who are already popular, but we'll see different types of music becoming popular. Garage bands and people who previously hadn't been in the music world will start to become popular. Already, music stores have seen an increase in interest in the guitar prior to COVID and had been on the decline. But people were showing a renewed interest because they're basically sitting around doing nothing. So they wanted to learn to play a guitar. This has been a big hit. Uh, I actually had a conversation at uh, Thanksgiving. I went to a, a church thing before going and seeing my family. And uh, I was talking to a guy there who decided he wanted to play the keyboard, play piano in his 60s. He's like, I wish I had done this 40 years ago, but you know what? I can still learn it. And we sat and talked about, you know, learning music. Uh, and it was really cool. I've also seen artists who hadn't recorded. Uh, new music in several years producing albums. Uh, some artists are even trying new genres. We have a friend who's been recording himself uh, and singing for years, but is now looking to release an album. I personally know a few more people who um, either have released or are releasing songs and albums. The thing is, a lot of what I'm hearing is kind of similar to what has been out in the past. I'm not hearing like the creativity, like the new stuff. I'm saying, not saying it's not creative, but um, I think the the creative things, like what I was expecting, they were created during the lockdown, but I think we're a little bit away from that. I think it's we're a few years out from that. Um, I think they're not quite ready to release those things yet. Yeah, they're finding their voice. Yeah, yeah. So that will come with time. I have noticed a more harsher, raw, feel to the music that I've been listening to. Like even the the folky stuff that I've heard has been more harsh, more raw. And it may just be what I'm listening to, but I also think that, you know, coming through such a major event, the there's a lot of frustration and anger that's getting taken out in music. Yeah. Which is a better place than a lot of places it could go. So yeah. So my fourth and final prediction from last year was that travel and big events, including large conferences, will still be locked down at the end of the year in some places, and there will be less of it. Uh, some events will go away, while others will morph into online-only events. There will, however, probably be a fair bit of travel right after whenever COVID dies down, simply because people are going stir-crazy. Uh, all this assumes that there's no major war that breaks out. So I would say my result was, you know, well, we didn't get the major war, which is good. There are plenty of situations yeah. that are ominous <laughs> right now. And things are locked down to varying degrees. And that's also been an interesting thing, seeing, you know, some of the countries that were listed as, you know, like the best places, freest places to live, like having really, really harsh lockdowns. And then places that they're like, ah, you don't want to live there. They're like, yeah, we're not bothering you at all. We're, you know, we're not doing any of this. That's been a bit odd. It you know, just did not distribute the way that I would have 
projected it to mm-hmm. a year ago. And I was correct about a lot of events going away or shifting to online venues and, you know, possibly permanently. I hope not for some of them. I hope not either. I mean, dude, I'm an introvert and I'd still would rather go to a physical on, you know, conference somewhere where I go sit down and I'm in the conference, not where I'm like half in and I'm having to try to work and nobody else is really in there either because they're trying to, you know, they're doing the same thing, like physically go there. I, I like that it it's a good little break, yeah, from things. And what's well, so, a break to make you learn? It is. Right? Like, I mean, it's it, it's it, not a yeah, it, but it it kind of breaks the monotony a little bit. And I don't know. They they've done a lot of good with like breakout sessions and stuff with conferences, yeah. but still. And I I could not get into. I mean, I have decent sound, but I could not get into concerts. I like I need that feel of the energy of the people. You yeah. know, like well, there's something about the, like when you're at a physical concert, of course I went to a few, so. Well, and there's, you know, there's a place for things and things in their place. And it's like the situation a lot of remote workers ran into where they didn't have the drive home. And so they didn't have a separation between work and home and they either didn't work or they became workaholics. Like we saw that with a lot of people. It's yeah, kind of the same. That, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the same same thing with the conferences. It's like, Hey, it's not, it's not in its own space. Now it's in some space that belongs to something else. And it doesn't work as well there. It's like pineapple and pizza. Yeah. We're not going into that. I mean, I'm not a fan of it, but I don't want to get that, uh, that started. <laughs> um, honestly, I like being, it on pizza too, but, it's, but only occasionally it's messy. Uh, apparently that's a big thing in dating apps. Um, I, I didn't realize well, the the mayor of Reykjavik in Iceland weighed in on it and like made a joke about it. yeah if I was if I had all the power I would ban pineapple on pizza or something and all these people got upset and he's like you guys thought I was serious <laughs> yeah I don't know all right so moving into our predictions for 2022 I don't know if that's actually gonna have the sound effect I I, I intended but we'll see my first prediction for 2022 is. We'll have a split workforce as some people enjoy coming into the office and others prefer to work remote. A lot of employers have enjoyed the reduced cost of office space, some even reducing the size of their offices or completely getting rid of them as more people work from home. There will be some who want to return to the office, others who prefer remote working. Like Will was talking about earlier how you know some people found out this, this past couple of years that they do not have the the home design or like the living situation to work remote uh, for an extended amount of time. So what I what I predict is in 2022 we'll start seeing a lot more split teams where you have some people in the office and some people working from home, and people are going to learn to deal with it, which is yes, yeah. really great. So my first prediction is not as positive. One or mine is that one or more of the major worldwide flashpoints is going to spark off and have some major problems. Uh, There are several good candidates for this right now. Uh, The border between Ukraine and Russia is one. The border between Belarus and Poland is another. Uh, There's China and Taiwan. There's the Koreas. There are things in the South China Sea. There's the Crimean Peninsula. Basically, what's happening is is the, the old structure 
old global structure is going away and something else is going to replace it. And you could see that with the U.S. Uh, getting out of Afghanistan the way that we left. You know, it, it, it's clear that we don't have the power structure that we had. And so somebody else is going to step into the breach and, you know, people are trying to uh, kind of butt heads and, you know, push pieces around the board. So it's a dangerous time. We can hope that this is going to be largely peaceful, uh, but it's unlikely to be entirely peaceful everywhere, uh, including in places that you would normally think are going to be peaceful. Now, we've also stacked on top of this supply supply chain disruption, fuel supply disruption, uh, increased costs in food, a medical panic, uh, large numbers of people moving around. This has all the makings of something really bad. Hopefully, it doesn't go up completely. But we're we're going to see disruption from that. And while this is a tech podcast, uh, it is important to remember that this is a real world that we live in here. And you know, if you don't want to remember the real world, uh, there's still going to be cyber attacks in the middle of all this crap too. Yeah, I mean, it's doesn't surprise me. You always go for the the dark negative stuff, and I always go for the bright shiny stuff, like a raven. Wait, no, crow, whatever. Corvid, just a Corvid in general. Yeah. Uh, Magpies do it too. Yeah. Mr. Magpie. Sorry. Well, Doctor Who reference. All right. My, uh, my number two prediction for, uh, for this next year. I think we're going to, I don't think I know, we're going to see the continued expansion of suburbia. I mean, I'm already seeing it out where I live and like what used to be the country. Uh, they're turning a lot of farmland into neighborhoods. The older generation is retiring or passing away. Their children and grandchildren don't want to be farmers, so they sell to land developers who split up the properties and build neighborhoods on them. I mean, I've seen it across the street from me. They're still building houses over there. Uh, I've seen it on my drive home where there's like a lot of farmland that's being turned into neighborhood developments. And so, out close to my parents, it's the same way. Yeah, yeah that's true. It's way out there. But uh, yeah, so we're just like the suburban expansion is coming out into the country. And if you want to live in the country, you're going to have to get further and further away. Yep. Eventually, you can't eat a lot of peaches. Yes. Well, eventually we're, uh, we're going to suburbanize Grundy County. <laughs> and if you're not from Tennessee, you don't understand that. But um, Good think, luck there. Uh, think of like the most backwoods place you've ever heard Good of. Good people though. Yeah. Yeah. And then multiply it by deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love going up to Grundy County though. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no. They're, they people. are they are good people, but it is very, very backwood backwood, which is which is fun. But uh yeah, no, there is like this massive suburban expansion, uh, which is quite annoying because I've never liked suburbia. I don't mind urban and I don't mind country. It's like I just get so lost in suburbia. Yeah, yeah. It they all look the same. Well, um, and, and the rules are like half of one and half of the other, and they're not applied the same. Yeah, um, which is the weird because like I live in suburbia and I grew up out in the sticks, and it's very, very. It's still strange to me, even though I've lived here more than half my life. Oh, I get it. I mean, I grew up kind of in suburbia. Yeah, but uh, I um. I spent a lot of time either like visiting my grandmother in the city or cousins out in the country. So 
So my second prediction is that AI assisted to varying degrees, uh, software development will become more common and accepted. Um, we've already seen GitHub Copilot. There's some changes in Visual Studio 2022. I don't know if you've seen those. I was coding the other day and it was like I was I was doing a constructor and it was predicting the next few lines. Like I would go to the next line and it and it's like, oh, that's exactly what I'm going to type, tab. And I'm not talking like picking the next method. I'm like the whole line. Yeah, I've heard of that. Haven't used and it or seen it, but yeah. It's it's neat. It it's not it's not completely there yet, but like you can you can see the little lizard that is going to grow into Godzilla one day. Um, so it is it's very, very interesting. And I think it's going to get more and more accepted, right? Like they're they're figuring stuff out faster and faster. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be something a lot of people start leaning on and they start building, you know, languages and tool chains and everything else that works well with it. Right. Like, I mean, you and I both have done a lot of C sharp. The C sharp language was built around times when we had really good, solid IDEs that could predict things, you know, in certain ways. Like Link is the op- is kind of like the way that Yoda would do SQL because of that, and it forced language evolution. We're going to see that with the AI. Yeah, that makes sense. So, my third prediction for 2022 is that there will be an increase in sales of prefabricated and built PCs, especially for gaming, as the individual parts to build a gaming PC are going to continue to be hard to acquire by the average individual. Also, uh, the dynamic of who is a PC gamer is changing. And so you, you may not have as many gamers who want to go through the process of building their own system. Though, what I'm really expecting is a few industrious individuals will buy the uh, prefab machines to cannibalize them and sell the parts. Yeah, and I'm, I'm surprised think, that hasn't already been happening some. Well, with graphics cards, it's very likely. Yeah, I I also think that like you're going to see more of the, hey, buy a prefab one and then upgrade it because upgrading is getting easier too. Like the parts fit together. It's it's a lot harder to let the magic smoke out now than it used to be. And so you're going to see that. So my third prediction is that some degree of migration out of the cities will continue occurring uh, as the people that have always wanted to leave, like me, uh, but couldn't now have the ab- ability to do so with widespread remote work. And with the absolute mess that has been made of uh, urban office space, you know, like if you look at the real estate stuff around that, it's uh, it's not pretty. We're probably also going to see a revitalization of some urban areas as well, because the people that want to live in the cities, but it's too expensive. Hey, guess what? All this office space just got cleared out. Now we can put apartments in there and bistros and those kind of things. And so you're going to have a lot of people moving into the cities as well. Housing prices are going to remain insane throughout the transition and probably afterward. Uh, and they're going to seem really crazy to people um, in smaller, quieter towns like the one where I grew up. Sense. So my final prediction for 2022 is there will be an increased use of IoT devices and wireless sensor networks. I just wrote a paper on that. Well, a group paper on wireless sensor networks. That was interesting. Energy efficiency and multi-routing protocols for wireless sensor networks. That's our paper title. Anyway, uh, but we're going to see an increase of those 
in the use of infrastructure and planning. Now, we'll see more use of data collection devices to do things like design roads and cities or other infrastructure areas to support growth. Nashville is a prime example of growth beyond what the infrastructure can support. I, I'm just going to call it out. I mean, we, we try to stay apolitical in here, but there's been a lot of really bad decisions made yep. about bringing in companies and stuff like that. It's like, let's grow, 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 and we'll build the infrastructure after. No, that has blown up in our face. Well, yeah. not our face, because we went, we didn't make those decisions. And I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't vote for the people who did make those decisions. But yeah, a lot of poor decisions have been made concerning that here. Whereas other cities, you know, we have we have friends who are on like planning committees and stuff for their cities and they've learned from our mistakes and others and like I know one particular area where we have a a friend who's involved in the local politics who uh who said that they they learned from watching Nashville and they have turned down companies who wanted to move there because they didn't have the infrastructure. They said, give us a few years to build the infrastructure, then we'll seek a company. So they're going to build it up, then bring in the people, then build it up, then bring in the people, which is the wise thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I I would say that growth at any cost is kind of what a cancer cell thinks. And yeah, it kills the host. And and, and you're right about Nashville. We, We have problems with rainwater. We have problems with all kinds of stuff. Traffic. It's, it's going to get pretty weird here uh, before long. So my uh, fourth and final prediction is that schools are going to start getting a better handle on remote learning. While we can expect the default to still be classroom learning for the foreseeable future, a lot of school systems, teachers, parents, various other professionals kind of in that area have learned a lot over the past two years. And by now, some people have seen things in this whole remote learning experiment that they've looked at and they said, Hey, we can make this better in this way. And they're building products and those products should be hitting the market within the next year or two. It'd I've be really seen things, man. <laughs> yeah. Seen things. The sound of helicopters coming overhead and it's, you know, children learning from home. Uh, you know, I know for instance, my wife did not enjoy uh, the remote learning stuff uh, in the least. And I don't know many teachers that really did. And I don't know a lot of students that that did all that well either, although I think some of the more introverted ones may have weathered it better. That said, it is going to be interesting there because there may be, you know, there may be opportunities for education because they have gone through this big sea change in the way that they look at teaching students. And they've had to build out some infrastructure for that and some understandings of things. And that's not going to go away, right? Like that gets used. And so it'll be really, really interesting in the next year or two. Now, I will say it will not revolutionize education, at least not immediately, but it is going to make it more resilient. So as you have flu outbreaks, you know, in the future, as you have, you know, some of the natural disasters that we have sometimes, it's like, hey, you know, we had a big snowstorm. We can't get the kids to school, but everybody still has power. You know, they could have remote, you know, school days. I think up north they actually do that because they buy salt for their roads. Um, but we don't do that here. <laughs> Again, that's the whole infrastructure thing. Yeah. So if you guys are interested in that, that may be a space to look into. 
So guys, in a lot of respects, 2021 was a continuation of 2020 with many people having to make long-term decisions under quite a bit of stress uh, because of the uncertainty. Still, most of our predictions uh, were true or did hit. Uh, That said, it was a year of learning and growth for most people. And even in difficult times, a lot of people made tremendous progress in their own lives. So as we said at the beginning of the episode, 2022 is going to be a good year. We're just going to speak that now before it even gets started. 2022 is going to be a good year. Just say that. Say it out loud and make it happen. That's pretty much all we've got before we uh, close everything up. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I want to talk a little bit about hard times, right? Because people have had those the last two years. Um, and some people have had them for longer than that. I've been reading a lot about you know evolutionary theory. You know, like that's kind of one of the things that interests me a lot. And you know, it's it's not just evolutionary theory; it's also you know sociology. It's also a lot of other disciplines. When you have a situation where there is where things get very very rough, that's the point where the most growth occurs, right? Like that. Long periods of stability do not create positive, you know, massive revolutionary change. They create small changes and, and uh, incremental improvements, but punctuated I- equilibrium is responsible for most of the growth in anything. And that's, that's true of, you know, every technology we have, you know, most of them got better because of war. Most of the critters you see running around here went through a population bottleneck at some point and they're the way they are and they, changed as fast as they did because most of them didn't make it. And while you don't want to go headlong into one of these things, it's important to kind of have the perspective that just because things are rough right now, if you get to the other side of it, things are probably going to be better on the other side of it. And you know, it's, a lot of that is dependent on your own ability to grow, to adapt, to discard things that don't work and to find the things that do. And, you know, to build a bit of resiliency. So think of years like the ones we've had as kind of a test. And I don't mean that in like some kind of stupid life coach, you know, 25 year old life coach type way. But like, look at it and go, okay, if this was a test, what would I have to do to pass? And think that way versus, hey, this is this is a test I'll never pass. And it, it might really change the way that you look at all of it. And that's pretty much all I've got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.